You're listening to Productive Flourishing. Thanks for joining us today. Well, I always say start local um, and look at your community or the communities that you serve. What are the needs there? Um, for example, if you if you run a catering company and you know that um, there are a lot of children who have free and reduced lunch, for example, and during the summertime, they don't often get food and, free and reduced lunch because they're not in school. So how could you use your catering company to help? Could you partner with a food truck and deliver free food to these neighborhoods? I mean, yes, it's alleviating suffering and it's volunteering, but then could you petition, in addition to that, could you petition your general assembly or the legislature where you live to have more funding for school um, summer feeding programs for kids? That was Kara Bolton journalist turned political communication strategist turned consultant who helps people and businesses get involved in their communities through business activism. She joins me in this episode to discuss what business activism is and how it's easier and safer than many people think. Look, you don't have to pick the biggest, most controversial issues and alienate your customers to make a difference in your community, and making a difference in your community makes a huge difference to your customers. I'm Charlie Gilkey, and this is Productive Flourishing. Welcome to Productive Flourishing, where we explore how to do the work that matters so you become your best self in the world. I'm your host, Charlie Gilkey, and I'm joined by Angela Wheeler and other guests who will share their stories, insights, wins, and challenges in the hopes that our journeys and stories will help you with yours. Now, on to the show. Kara, thanks so much for joining me today. I am pumped to talk to you about business activism and what that looks like because I think, or I know, I'll say it, I'll say it more strongly. I know that when people think of activism and they think of you know different things that we might do with the business, I I think it goes to an extreme that we don't have to go to. And with what you do, you enable people to get involved without putting themselves in too much risk. So, Kara, thanks so much for joining me today. Thanks, Charlie. I really appreciate coming on. This will be fun. This will be great. So I've already slid in there with business activism. So what do we mean by business activism there, Kara? Well, I think it means, to me, it means using your business as a, I'm trying to think of the, the correct word. It's like using your business to take a stand on various social issues and or to help in your community in some way to become a community leader through your business and using also to use the resources of your business to meet the challenges and the opportunities of your community. All righty. So um, that's a really broad statement, which I love, right? Because a lot of things can go in and a lot of things, you know, don't necessarily have to go in. And the way I set it up earlier is I think, um, especially right now in the United States, with so much going on in the political environment, both on the left, right, and in center and all over the place, um, there's been a increased call for businesses and brands to get involved in what looks like either political movements or social movements, um, or at least they have taken it upon themselves, or maybe customers are looking for businesses to do that, but we see more um businesses and brands getting involved in what um, I think is um, at a higher rate than what we may have seen in the past. It's always happened, but I think it's at a higher rate in, in 2017. Um, so let's start with that. So because 
there's this tendency that we have when we're going through a particular period of time to make our period of time the first time that this type of thing has happened. Like we, history starts with where, when we start paying attention to it is a sort of human fallacy that we have. So um, let's kind of talk about the, if you can, a rough history of business activism and um, you know, we don't have to go all the way back to the, to the beginning, but let's sort of place us in space and time with this, with this concept. I think that business in many ways reflects culture and there has been an evolution. I don't think that businesses have quite been called to take the stance that they have now. I mean, for example, we don't see in the civil rights movement, for example, we didn't see, you know, craft, well, we didn't see uh, uh, GE washers or IBM taking a stance on civil rights. It's only sort of been after the fact. So it's not to say that no businesses um, took, uh, had business activism. It just means that maybe it was something else. So a lot of times, for example, if you take the robber barons of the 19th century and early 20th century, uh, what they would do instead of business activism per se would be to channel their money into philanthropy. So philanthropy started at, you know, 19th century, 20th century, and then it's evolved into what we have today, where you have like Papa John's and Pizza Hut at war over something that President Trump said it has nothing to do with pizza, it has to do with the president. So um, that's a broad general sweep, but kind of gives you a gives you a picture of what we're looking at. All right. So you threw in another concept um, of philanthropy, right? And yeah. so, um, you know, the philosopher in me loves distinctions. Um, I, I can't help it, right? Um, it just helps, you know, when, when we're thinking. So do you, is there a difference between philanthropy and business activism? Yes. So, and actually, I have a definition of between activism and volunteering. So for me, volunteering is taking a, a, some actions or a series of actions to alleviate suffering in some way. So volunteering at the soup kitchen, you are alleviating the suffer the suffering of hunger. Activism is a set of, of actions toward changing political or public policy. So rather than volunteer at the soup kitchen, perhaps you are lobbying your legislature to have um, better homeless shelters, to perhaps change the um Earn income tax credit so that you um, so that you change the poverty structure. It's it's lots of different things, but geared toward making social change via the political system, not alleviating suffering. And so the way business activism falls into that is that you, as a business owner, are using the resources and your tools, whether it's your staff or your expertise, to solve a particular problem in the community that you serve. Fantastic. So thanks for that, because I, I think that sets up at least the way that I heard that is, um, and the way I think about it similarly, is activism is is more on the prevention or policy side, yes. um, whereas volunteerism and sometimes charity falls on the problem fixing side, like the problems already happen and you're giving people soup because they're homeless and don't have jobs, whereas activism looks at why don't people have jobs and why are people homeless and what are we going to do about that? Right. Exactly. Okay. Yes. Um, so that's great. Now, 
interestingly, as I was uh, thinking about this podcast and just looking at where we are right now, um, December 8th is when we're recording this. Um, what was it? Wednesday? Maybe Wednesday or Tuesday, Patagonia came out with a real good, I, I think, good campaign for, for business activism because um, – you know, Kara's likely going to know way more about the details of this because I've, I've had my head in other things. But essentially, um, President Trump has um, has um, taken some land that have been um, um, natural um, parks or excuse me, national parks and, and made them smaller. So that's the easy way to say it. Right. Um, and Patagonia, if you went to, I believe it was Patagonia. It was Patagonia, right? Yeah. I'm not, yeah. Ma- I'm not making stuff up. So when you went to Patagonia, they actually, their homepage was, um, you know, maybe more provocative than some people might like, but it's like the president stole your land, right? Here's what to do about it. Um, but as I was thinking about it, they actually had a, here's why we're taking this stance. And what I loved about it, um, and Karen, maybe you could talk more about this as just an example what I loved about it is how they tied in this particular issue being something that was relevant to their business. Like it wasn't just some random stance that they were taking. Patagonia sells outdoor wear to people who, who go outside. So when you start talking about things that, that jeopardize that, it made sense for them to say, like, this is something that our business is aligned with and cares about and it affects our customers. And so we're getting behind this as well. Um and so, yeah. So, tell us a little bit more about that. If you it, did, you do some analysis because I was I was thinking I know Kara's seeing this and Kara's thinking about this. So I did see it. I did. I was. I have to say that I was um, caught up in the whole Time Magazine cover <laughs> okay, yeah. issue. So I, I got caught up in that. But um, you know, it's interesting that you mentioned that because it's part of. You mentioned one thing that was really important, and that's heritage. And if you are going to take on an issue as a business activist, I think it needs to be part of your business heritage, which means that if the social impact is part of your brand heritage, it makes more sense to do that. And I, and also I think Patagonia didn't necessarily take a calculate, I mean, it's a calculated risk, but their clients or their customers are more likely to fall politically in line with them. So it's almost that they're they're hearing their customers, they're having a conversation with them, and they're making a political statement, I believe, on behalf of their, their, their customers, in addition to protecting their business. Because if there's uh, less land to national parks, then that means that people won't be able to go, they won't be able to enjoy it, and that affects their sales. So, um, and in fact, Patagonia is threatening a lawsuit saying that um, they will take Trump to court if he doesn't back down over the public lands issue. And in fact, uh, Patagonia sued um, Washington on Wednesday in federal court seeking a judicial order to block Trump's decision. They're saying that the lawsuit claims Trump exceeded his authority under the 1906 Antiquities Act. So not only did they do an ad, but they are suing. So that's like that is that's almost like extreme business activism. Yeah, it's extreme. They're not messing around. Yeah, they're not messing around. And why I think that's a good example. I mean, you mentioned heritage. Um, Well, what are some of the other factors one might want to think about with the types of causes they may support or get behind? Okay, so one is authenticity. 
which is definitely Patagonia. I mean, companies fail when they treat activism as a, a, a moment rather than a movement. And we saw that with Pepsi. They tried to capitalize on the moment of social activism by using Kendall Gen Jenner, who is a su supermodel and whatever. Uh, but Patagonia, this is, this is authentic to their brand. This is authentic to their activism. So it's definitely part of that affinity choosing a cause that's related to the products and services your company offers. So Patagonia definitely falls in this category. Um, another thing that businesses should consider is team support um, because the support of your team is critical for the process of your business, your brand activism, because it can help you vet an idea because sometimes the founder or the leader, has a, they think they have a great idea and they're not seeing the full landscape. And so having your team on board helps. And also it provides different avenues for your activism to happen. So for example, if you're interested in having more uh, girls and women in STEM, for example, you can go use your HR people to do it through hiring practices. You can have your marketing firm um, make sure that they reach out to um, that they reach out to certain businesses. So it's it's having team support is important to sort of um, gel everything together, and then also to, to to look at it from different angles. And then finally, is your audience. The relationship your brand has with your audience is probably the most significant factor with engaging in brand activism. And it can serve, like Patagonia's example, as a portal to deepen your audience engagement and inspire them to new levels of possibility. Because if you're just doing brand activism or business activism for you alone and to make yourself look good, well, then, yes, you may achieve some things, but then you're also defeating the point. Absolutely. Which is, well, yeah. we're all in this together. Yeah, and what's, um, you know, I, I was also thinking that um, the, cart tech, the cart that we use, um, DPD, it's a great cart, um, but they also have a pop-up about net neutrality going on right now, right? Mm -hmm. and net neutrality is another issue that you see a lot of tech companies right now <laughs> taking mm -hmm. a stand for obvious reasons, right? Um, for, for different reasons. Now, why I think... Um, you know, I wanted to put Patagonia as a as a out there as a good case for someone who I think is aligned on the factors that you've talked about. Mm -hmm. um, but the point here that I want to at least slide in is it doesn't have to be that extreme or big, right? No. Um, and so the, I think that's where, um, in my talking to people about how they might get involved and, and use their business for different things, there's like, well, I don't want to be coming out against the president, or I don't want to like, I don't want to make these bar political statements, or maybe I don't want to like have my business support LGBTQ communities if I'm in a Southern business and I know, right. So it's like, so I can't do those really challenging things. So I'm going to do nothing at all. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. Um, and so keep in mind, there's a, there's a range that's maybe on the extreme end of both, you know, um, statement and commitment and backing because they're suing and, you know, they're doing all sorts of things. And it's, um, you know, the president stole your land is a provocative statement, right? Um, and they could have come out with a, with a more mild statement of like, Hey, this is a big issue sort of thing. But so don't necessarily look at the extremism and the messaging and the way they did it as how it has to be done because there are ranges that are much smaller. So, okay. You want to give us some examples of things that are smaller that people can get involved in? Well, I always say start local. 
um, and look at your community or the communities that you serve. What are the needs there? Um, for example, if you if you run a catering company and you know that um, there are a lot of children who have free and reduced lunch, for example, and during the summertime they don't often get food and, free and reduced lunch because they're not in school. So how could you use your catering company to help? Could you partner with a food truck and deliver free food to these neighborhoods? I mean, yes, it's alleviating suffering and it's volunteering, but then could you petition, in addition to that, could you petition your general assembly or the legislature where you live to have more funding for school um, summer feeding programs for kids? So that's an example where it aligns with your, well, it aligns with your um, affinity and it directly spills out into what you do in, in the community. And so it's not necessarily you're taking a political stance for or against something. In particular, you're trying to solve a problem in your community. And that's a great way to get involved as a business activism activist without feeling like you have to jump into the fray, in the political fray. Yeah, I mean, I think there are three safe places Right. Where you, where, where you can go. So three safe places, kids, mm-hmm. pets, and the elderly. Yeah. Right. No, and, the, and the environment too. And the, well, I think though, I mean, because of the deniers and everything going on right mm. now, right. I think it's becoming less safe as something where you might get some people like global warming and all the different types of things. Um, I would probably also say vets as well. If you do anything with vets, right. Those are some safe places. Now I know I have a military background and veteran background, but like no one in, I think our context is going to come at you because you're serving kids, pets, elderly folks or um, veterans, right? Yeah. They're just not right. And so those are sort of safe places. And I'm not trying to say because they're safe that, um, you know, they're less than, or that, you know, you should do it just because they are safe. But if you're worried about the polarization that I think some people are worried about, right. You won't polarize people with kids, pets, elderly folks, and vets. Like you just won't like, who's going to get mad at you about that, that you want as a customer. That's the other thing. Yeah. Um, but this sort of slides into a point though, because I think the challenge that people have is they think that if they get involved in business activism, they're going to lose customers. Right. Um, cause people like, you know, don't put politics in my face and like, you know, just stick to business and things like that. So I think the fear is that, okay, like if I support this thing, I'm going to lose customers. It's going to cost money, like so on type. So it seems safer from just a risk calculation to not get involved, right? To be silent upon the issue or to do it through, like if the owner of the company really feels that way, then you can go do private sort of activism, but don't make it the brand or the business. Yes. So why would one do this then? Why would one? Well, because at some point you have to decide whether you're going to have skin in the game. I mean, politics is not a spectator sport, no matter what people would like to think. And so you can either get involved at some level and participate and influence the outcome or try to influence the outcome, or you can sit it out and have things happen to you and then complain about the results. I would rather get involved. And also, this is a thing that a lot of people don't understand. In many states, um, having businesses get involved in a particular issue carries more sway 
than um, than individuals. So if a business community, for example, saying we need more STEM uh, education in schools, uh, there the lawmakers to listen, especially if that might come up with some campaign contributions to back it up. But I mean, that's that's the game. That's the game. And also, um, businesses have opportunity to host events for lawmakers in their districts and to um, network with others through their chamber or their industry organizations. So you don't have to be the lone wolf out there. You can go through a trade association or your local chamber of commerce, and you can band together around issues that way instead of making it just you alone. Yeah. Now, I should have done a better job of um, talking about Kara's background before we get in here, but you keep hearing sort of a, I hope you're understanding a, a savvy sort of or excuse me, some experience working with public policy and politicians and things like that. So, um, Kara, I could tell the story about what about where you come from, but I think it's better that you do so people understand where we're coming from when it comes to that. Okay, so yes, I, it's it's evident that I clearly have a policy bias, a public policy bias, and that's because I've spent uh, 20 years at the intersection of uh, media and politics. I was a reporter covering um, presidential campaigns, state government, local government. So I have an understanding of how government works from the local level, like your city council, county commissioner, all the way up to Congress. And then when I, after I left um, journalism, I then joined the North Carolina Democratic Party as its state's spokesperson. And uh, my position was called the uh, Director of Communications, Outreach, and this is the part that I love, Oppositional Research. <laughs> so I got to do the dirty work. And <laughs> so that's part of it, too. So I also know how that works. I've been a lobbyist for education and healthcare organizations, also economic development organization. I was a lobbyist for them as well. And then I also helped nonprofits tell their stories to lawmakers and constituents via the media. So that's why I'm so public policy dependent, because I noticed that that's how things get done. That is indeed how things get done. And I'm not coming from the in-seat time, but, you know, over the last few years, I've definitely gotten way more involved in, in that side of things and saying, like, wait a second, like, if... if for whatever the issue is, like until you start getting people in the seats to make decisions that you want, you're going to be out in the streets complaining about it, right? Yes. And so you got to get the people in the seats. You either replace those people or you get the attention yes. of the people, right? Um, but yelling on Facebook only goes so far, right? Um, and a lot of that is relationship building. Mm -hmm. and, and politicians will listen to you. I mean, both no matter whether you're Republican, Democrat, or Independent, they're not nameless, faceless people. Um, and I, I kind of hate the uh, calls on social media, call your senator and tell them blah, blah, blah. And that it works to some extent, but it's not as effective as establishing a relationship with your congressman. And that's not really that hard to do because they're in the district every weekend. Their, their calendars are public so you can read and see where they are. Again, if you're a part of a trade association or your local chamber of commerce, they often sponsor events where they have Q&A with your lawmaker. 
if you don't want to go that route, you can literally make an appointment with their office and drop in and talk to them. And they like that. They like hearing from the local people. They like knowing what people are saying on the ground because they don't get that information. And so a lot of times they're thankful for folks coming into the office and saying, okay, if you vote for this bill, this is how it's going to affect me as a business person. Yeah. And so something to think about here from a business perspective, and this goes for, you know, micro businesses, right. Of, you know, you and a VA and a parakeet, right. Um, to, <laughs> you know, smaller teams to large teams. Like if one thing that, that I would encourage people to think about is making time and prioritizing your employees ability to like make those appointments during the day and go where they don't have to take time off and decide between their economic prosperity and their political involvement is a way an indirect way where your business doesn't have to take a stance, but your business can support political involvement, right? Um, just because someone's like, okay, if you're going to go visit a senator for the afternoon, you get the afternoon off. Go do that because that's an important way to build relationships. But it's also an important way for us to sort of um, champion civic responsibility and not make people choose between you know, making money and being politically involved, which unfortunately is a part of the American democratic process right now. Exactly. And I'm not sure what the makeup is, but there are a lot of states where they have a part-time legislature. A lot of where the work that I did in North Carolina, they had a part-time legislature in which their legislature, well, in theory, is supposed to be in at most six to eight months of the year. And as I said, uh, a lot of times they come home to the districts. So many people live far away from their state capital. So you may not have to take the day off to go to the Capitol. You could either have something in the district or you can invite, depending on what business, what kind of business you have, like if you're a microbrewery, for example, you could invite your local lawmaker to come and visit your, your business. Yeah. Or you can schedule a phone call with them rather than an in-person meeting, like get creative here. And so Karen knows this because we've had other conversations. Like I get really frustrated when people like, well, like I, I just, I don't know what to do. And I'm like, you figure out all sorts of other shit. Right. <laughs> yes. Right. Um, yes. You will like find all the coupons and all the deals of these really obscure things. Right. Um, but won't think creatively about how to get involved in this way, which to me is a sign of either fear, right. Or a resignation yes. that it doesn't make a difference or just a, you know, lack of real interest and commitment. So I know I'm being very opinionated on that one, but um, you're, you're really wicked smart. If you're a creative person, whether you're in, an entrepreneur or you're in business, like you come up with novel solutions all the time, apply it here because it does make a difference. A huge difference. And don't just try once and say, well, I called and they never called me back or you know, they said they couldn't get me in this week. Like you have to try multiple times. It goes back to being creative. Well, you have to try multiple times, even when they do. So and let's talk about relationships, because that's really what we're talking about right here, right here. Yes. So if you are in a place where your um, representative or your elected officials are rough, roughly in agreement with your policies and you get their attention and they're like, yeah, you know, I have a good talk, like go back. Next time, you don't have to come up with something that you oppose them for and go like scream at them and like you can stay in good rapport and so that they know that they're doing a good job. But the second, like if you've been in rapport with your with your official for years about something and then they take a different stance and you show up to their office, you have a lot more sway than that person that got pissed off about something they read on Twitter and is yelling at them all of a sudden. Right. So yes. when they agree with you. <laughs> 
it's positive to keep that relationship going and to keep trying. When they disagree with you, it's really positive to keep that relationship going, right? Because if they know no matter what they do, they're going to have to look at you, right? <laughs> like talking about them and pushing them and making them uncomfortable. Like, yes. then they're going to like, oh, here we go again, right? I got to have this conversation again. And they start to like think, okay, maybe I want to get some of these people that stay on me off of me, right? Yes. Um, and so either way you win, right? Um and if they're not showing up, if, if you keep trying, you're not showing up at a certain point, that becomes something that you can use against that particular person. They're not responsive to their community or they're not responsive to you, but you don't know mm -hmm. that. So you say their community and then they're in political trouble. Either way, consistency and tenacity wins, right? So absolutely stay involved in that way. And even though I built my career as a Democrat, um, it was Republicans when I decided to do lobbying, it was actually Republicans who welcomed me in North Carolina. They were in the majority. They remembered how I treated them when I was a reporter. I was always fair to them. I always got their quotes right. And if I didn't, I asked them, uh, is this what you said? And they remembered how I treated them, which is something that business owners can relate to. They remembered how I treated them. They remembered that I was fair to them. So when it came time for me to essentially do business as a lobbyist, they welcomed me into their offices. Now, they may not have agreed with my stance or what my client wanted, but they were at least willing to listen or they would tell me directly like, yeah, Kara, why don't you come back when you have something I can do for you? <laughs> <laughs> come back when you have a bill I can agree with because I'm just not going to agree with this. But it was really honest, right? So there was no lie. You know, we just and we just kept it moving. So relationships really super important, super important. And so, I mean, business activism is just that vehicle with relationships with your community, relationships with your politicians, relationship to the change makers in your communities. That's really what we're talking about is, is getting involved. Um, but there's, um, you know, going back to the original thread, why one would get involved. There's also community solidarity or customer solidarity of, you know, so going back to the Patagonia example, right? Mm -hmm. Patagonia through their actions and, uh, uh, you know, a good bit of money, right. Is telling their customers, we are with you. Like we are part of a community and you like, we get you, we are you like, let's do something about this. And that's a powerful brand statement because one of the first thing or what, over the long term builds customer loyalty is those customers feeling like a you've got their back, but B that they're a part of your community in a very real, you know, almost you live next door to them way. The more your brand or business feels like that, the more they're going to go buy Patagonia stuff first and not even think about going to REI, right. Or go to Columbia because Patagonia is their peeps, right? That's just what, what yes. you do, right? I'm going to go back and buy a Nissan next time unless they really mess us up because they've taken really, really good care of us. Right. Why would yeah. I go somewhere else? And and the social good reason, because, you know, I'm a big old softy, is that so many of us are in our own echo chambers and we feel like we're alone. So to have a brand or a company stand up for something that we also believe in has that shared sense of community. And we're not just buying a product from Patagonia or whatever business it is. We're we're almost participating in um, in a group sense, like you said, in in the solid in solidarity and a form of change together. That we're we're in this together, and we're not just separate in our silos. Absolutely, absolutely. So, um, you know, the, 
we've sort of talked about getting involved in that way and why you might want to do it. So let's talk about ways not to do it. So just in case people, you know, are on the edge and are like, eh, like what are some bad examples of, of places that have done this wrong? Well, yeah, you know, Pepsi, I just, I'm still mad at Pepsi over that ad. Uh, I think it was in the spring where they were trying to capture the moment of social activism, particularly among women. So they did a commercial with Kendall Jenner and they appropriated the symbols and the language of the Black Lives Matter movement. And they did so in a way that was actually offensive because they were not culturally sensitive to the fact that a white woman could engage in uh, offering a can of Pepsi to cops and they're all like, yay, we were thirsty. Uh, Whereas we have the images of African-Americans sort of standing still in a form of protest in front of uh, police officers and it's a way different thing. So they did it wrong. Um, Papa John's, and I'm not just saying that because I disagree with his politics, but he's always spouting off about some kind, whether it's healthcare or the NFL, and he's making these broad statements and they're just as inflammatory as divisive as some of the president's statements. And so, uh, and going as far as to blame the NFL for declining sales, um, because it, it support that particular point of view, um, supports his political views. So I think sort of jumping in at the news of the day is also a bad idea uh, for your business. You have to think long-term and you have to think issue-oriented, not short-term, not moment, not zeitgeist. Yeah, and I will say in general, this is just about, the term is newsjacking, right? And it's not just for this type of thing, but um, I have seen 98% of cases of newsjacking just be either bad or irrelevant, right? A week later, right? And so really think about newsjacking in general, like just because Taylor, Taylor Swift is trending for something doesn't mean you need to write like what Taylor Swift can teach us about X, right? To, to sort of jack the news and, and do that kind of whatnot. So definitely in general, be careful about newsjacking. But when it comes to business activism, there's another like, don't follow that trend. But um, there might also be that say for Pepsi, Uh, to use your framework, like they had, at least as far as I know, they had no heritage speaking to that issue. It's like it was out of the blue. Like, exactly. So, um, so, you know, this kind of had that strike against them. It could have been really authentic, right? They could have meant really, really well. And it just poor tactics, like with all of the people of color that you could have hired for that particular thing to do that would have made a much better statement, right? All mm-hmm. things considered, especially with, you know, um, the picture from Ferguson of the woman standing defiantly in front of the police. Yes. Like there's an image in time that they mimicked in all the wrong ways, right? Um, exactly. And so tactically it was wrong, but again, they had no heritage. Um, they could have been really authentic or they could have decided to get the skin in the game on this particular issue in tech stand, which is great. Just poured, you know, did it wrong, did it align with their customers, so on and so forth. So I think that's the fear for people who haven't gotten involved is they don't have that legacy or that heritage of doing this. They might not know where their, where their customers fall on this issue. And so again, um, 
I would, I would say, and I'm curious to see what you say. Like, again, you don't start with the biggest, broadest newsjacking thing at the moment. Right. And say, that's your entry point. Right. Um, you wouldn't do that in business for anything. You wouldn't like just completely zag your business positioning and go do something wildly different out of the blue. Right. You'd start in successive sort of moves. I'll, I'll try this, see how it goes, see how we feel, so on and so forth. So my advice on that one is you want to get involved. Start on the smaller end, on the safer places, right? Um, don't go against the news jacked or, or, you know, what politician X did for the day. But w- what's your stance on that, Kara? So social listening is a great opportunity to find out what your customers are thinking, whether you can do that via um, social media and listen to not just their pain points, but listening to the things that they hope for. Um, And activism isn't just being against something. It could also mean being for something. What do you want to preserve? What do you want to conserve? What are the things, what are the values that we want to protect? And what are your what are your customers and clients saying about those things? And maybe as you're listening to them, you, you're finding points of intersection where you can come in with your business, um, whether it's taking a stand for something or using the resources you have to solve a particular problem or to conserve something or to promote something. In a offline conversation, we also talked about the difference between supporting a policy versus supporting like a partisan platform or a person, right? Um, and so, you know, I could go through that, but I, I, what I'll say briefly and then turn it over to you is um, I, it, it's far more dangerous when you're supporting just one person because all it takes is for your favorite person to end up, say, in a scandal or end up out of office, and then, you know, um, then you've got a problem. So, um, and I think that's where people get confused of supporting, say, the Republican Party or the Democratic Party as opposed to particular policies. So tell us a little bit more about that in your history and sort of awareness of that. Well, a lot of times when businesses and, and including trade associations get involved in politics in terms of getting involved in political races, for example, um, they often hedge their bets and they give money to both candidates because people, campaign finance reports are public documents. And if you contribute to a particular candidate or party, that is public knowledge. And so let's say your candidate loses and the the other candidates there and you're coming before them with an issue, they remember that they gave that you gave to their opponent. So unless you have really strong views and you just love that candidate and you really want to support them, um, both as an individual, well, corporate contributions is another way, a different topic, but as an individual, that's public record. So I advise against doing that unless you just love the candidate win, lose, or draw, you're with that person. I, and even political parties, and this is um, coming from a person who you know worked for the Democratic Party, I'm against that as well, because again, people remember where you donated. So uh, I think that issue-based advocacy really is the way to go. And that's how I had my business uh, when I was doing lobbying was based on issues not necessarily on candidates. And I did not on purpose get involved in campaigns. Absolutely. Absolutely. So um, sort of starting to sum some things up, um, sort of talked about business activism, what we mean by there, 
different things to think about getting involved, pitfalls to watch out for. It's all about relationships, <laughs> trying to go through this. Um, you know, looking at what we've talked about and you being the guest today, um, what challenge or invitation would you invite our um, listeners to do based upon what we've talked about? I would invite them to get off their mobile phones and get in, into the community, get off Facebook. Don't the arguing on Facebook helps no one. And it makes you angry all day. Look in your community, look around wh- who is not being heard. What is not being said? What do you love? What do you hate? What are your, do some social listening, pay attention to what is going on around you literally around you, not just on the computer screen, and then see how you can roll up your sleeves and help. We're not powerless. Each of us, where we are, have everything we need to change the world. Kara, that's wonderful. Thanks so much for joining me today. I knew it was going to be a blast. And um, I'm, I think this is the first of many conversations. I hope it's the first of many conversations. So thanks me for too. joining me. Thank you so much, Charlie. Alrighty, Creative Giant. So you heard it from Kara. Look in your community and get away from the computer screens and jump out and see what's going on. What lights you up? What fires you up? What drives you crazy? Like, see what you can do from your business perspective to get involved. And again, think in terms of activism and prevention and sort of root cause stuff as opposed to just what you can do to, um, you know, to solve the problem that's already been there. Also, one last thing, start small. But start, please. Until next time, stand tall. Thanks for listening to Productive Flourishing. To get more resources that'll help you finish the work that matters and be your best self in the world, head on over to ProductiveFlourishing.com. If this episode warmed your heart or got your wheels turning, we'd really appreciate it if you'd leave a review for the podcast on iTunes.